0: what's up everybody welcome back to the Downlore.
1: Down.
0: we are your hosts as always i'm natalie i'm claudia and we are here to spill the tea on all of your favorite fantasy reads so today we are going to be recapping the most anticipated book release of this year honestly
1: yeah it's going to be the most anticipated book release until Sarah J. Mass releases another book, and of course, you know we're all talking about House, House of, Flame of Flame and Shadow. Shadow, the
0: third book in the Crescent City series, um, and what felt very a Court of Wings and Ruin in that it felt like the wrap up of a trilogy.
1: Correct, which Sarah has said she originally planned this to be a trilogy. It was contracted as a trilogy, and there might be more books, but she did write this one to end as if like, you could end the trilogy here and just walk off into the sunset and never need to think about it ever again and feel content. Which, of course, we will not be doing. Um, No, I could never walk (laughs) away from a Sarah J. Mass book and never think about it ever again. Are you kidding me? No,
0: and... I'm sure Sarah engineered it this way after coming up with the plan for it to expand past the original trilogy, and probably a reason why, if you're watching on video, the book in front of us is uh, 850 pages or more.
1: Depending on what format you're reading it on, yeah, it could be a little more, a little bit less. This one in particular is 835, plus the bonus chapter, and... It felt like taking a vacation from this planet, like reading this entire book. Yes, I'm sure it did. Part of the reason why it was so thick was because
0: of all of the, as predicted in the last episode, if you listened to that one, if you haven't, go listen to it. We did a recap on Crescent City 1 and 2, and there was, as I predicted, a whole lot of Therion content in this book and a whole lot of Ocean, House of Many Waters related content.
1: Right. She set us up... With those characters and that content. And we'll get to this when we go to like crack theories at the end. And like what we think is coming. But she did set us up with like this foundation to take us into another book. That Mm -hmm. would be called House of Many Waters. And she put enough content in here where that would make sense. As a fourth book.
0: Yes. But for all intents and purposes. This really felt like a good wrap up. um, Very much like A Court of Wings and Ruin on our main People, couples etc and there are some side characters that would be the centerpieces of uh, spinoffs in the future which we can get into crack theories more later regarding nesta our favorite baddie from a court of thorns and roses series but to me while i felt like her book a court of silver flames was very complete in that like it told the story of Nesta redeeming herself and falling in love mm-hmm. and
1: her whole character arc. There was a whole within arc within Seven of Silver Flames. Pages.
0: Yes. But I felt like, based on Nesta's, by the way, as always, We've already spoiled things, but spoiler alert. (laughs) We're going to be debunking this entire book and what's probably coming in the future for Akatar as well. This podcast is just spoilers. This is a spoiler, not a spoiler-free zone by any stretch. Uh, So be warned. Um, As I was saying, though, I think even though Nesta got a very concise, closed arc within A Court of Silver Flames, there were so many hints throughout House of Flame and Shadow, that there, her story isn't done. There's a lot more Correct. to happen for her. And it almost hinted to me that maybe A Court of Silver Flames is like the first in Nesta's trilogy. I would really like that. Which honestly. I would love. Nesta haters be gone, by the way. I think,
1: <laughs> I think, look, there's a whole camp of people who will say like, if you're annoyed by Nesta, you've probably dealt with a Nesta. If you like Nesta, you are a Nesta, whatever it is. I think like if you just take an objective view of the characters, Nesta's transformation, like while it was sometimes very difficult to be inside her head, like that's what made her transformation, her character arc so great. And the payoff of it was so wonderful was to like see how she like dealt with her shit, honestly. And whether or not you relate to it on a personal level, like it's very, very wonderful to read. Agreed.
0: It was definitely characterized and dramatized. Like, her level of self, self-loathing, self I don't think, is normal or human. Right. Um. For some people, certainly it is. I don't
1: mean to discredit
0: anyone's mental illness. But, but it's, yeah, I for think most
1: th- of us, it might be a little bit further than what we're experienced with for the purposes of the book like Mm.
0: because a lot of the stuff that she was traumatized by would never happen to anyone in reality like she got dunked into a magical cauldron and turned into a fae and i'm so sorry to everyone listening but that's not going to happen to you and unfortunately it's not going to happen to either of us either (laughs) (laughs) um i think because of that we don't understand the gravity of the trauma that she experienced as readers and think that maybe, like, her meanness and her response to what happened to her was, like, silly or fraught. But she certainly... I mean, if you got transformed into... A completely different species at the drop of a hat and you were already a mean bitch like of course you're gonna lash out and push everyone away and be awful
1: right and there's something to be said for like body autonomy Mm. that's a big thing obviously Mm. like having control over your own decisions that have to do with like you and only you And whether or not like we would agree that going into the cauldron like I would always just say who like of course I would want to be high fae but like at the end of the day too if someone was like I'm forcing you to be high fae that feels bad that feels bad.
0: I mean I think that's a really really interesting distinction between there was a lot of comparison and we'll get into it more when we start getting into the plot between bryce and nesta mm-hmm. in this book and how they both like dancing they both have this power but they're they have very different personalities um and they and both
1: have queen
0: potential well they both i mean the power nesta has for, queen potential yeah. but
1: bryce as we will get to quite literally did become a queen in this book right um but at the point that they meet in the very beginning which is where we pick up with bestie bryce like they're both kind of in this spot where bryce has all this power but still has yet to really be recognized by the fey like they're still kind of shunning her and nesta is very much in the same boat like she has this power we kind of don't know where she landed at the end of silver flames because she made that deal with the cauldron to give back her power in order to save pharah yeah i was surprised that
0: she was coming out with all this silver fire at the end at the beginning of um house of flame and shadow because we From my recollection of *A Court of Silver Flames*, she was completely like tapped out and powerless, like Amarin at the end of. That
1: well, book. there was like a there was a little thing where it's like she felt a flicker of the power remain, and it's like she had some she has some connection to like the mother, which is obviously their kind of like higher power, um, in the Akatar world, and like the mother let her keep some, and. So whatever she had left like even if it's a kernel of what she had before it still it really shows up like she is a she's a and bad it could bitch have grown
0: like we there's so much that we didn't get in the time between the end of a court of silver flames and this crossover because as we established in the last episode and was was confirmed here the timeline is essentially like when nesta plucks the harp at the end of silver flames is around when in book one Of Crescent City, Bryce kills Micah. Something like that, yeah. Is is what we think. And yes, like time slows when an archangel dies and time slows when an Asteri dies and whatever. But there was another like There was a couple months in between yeah. when the events of House of Sky and Breath happened that we don't know what happened yet in the Akatar world mm-hmm. that will have to be covered in the next Akatar book and we'll yes. get into it more later. But the thing that I wanted to say about Nesta and Bryce and the distinction between them and their power, despite all of their similarities of both loving music and liking to dance and Being in the same boat in terms of they have all this power and this potential, but they haven't totally figured it out yet. Or come to, you know, Bryce kind of has now come to the fruition of, like, what was intended for her power. But Bryce had the opportunity... To take the power for herself mm-hmm. whereas nesta it was forced upon her correct sort of she did take from the cauldron but we don't really know what that means yeah she, she was dunked into it against her will she made that very clear that like, she resents the fact
1: that that happened to right. her if she mentions it like no less than perhaps 73 times mm, maybe seventy-three thousand. if we're being completely honest yeah, yeah.
0: but yeah i think the, the whole conversation about Not only bodily autonomy, but autonomy of choice between the two of them is really interesting. And I am excited to see how that plays out in Nesta's continuation of her story, which I hope we do get in the next ACOTAR book. And we can talk more about that
1: later. Right. Because Bryce gets born into her family like she's born into this half human, half fae situation of hers. So like that part gets decided for her versus Nesta, who's just born a normal person. But then like from there, the roles kind of reverse. Nesta is forced into her power and Bryce basically is challenged to go out and get it. So speaking of Nesta and Bryce, let's just kind of dive into the who in our who, what, where, when, why dichotomy of like how we break up our, our episodes. Where we left off with all of our characters, Bryce at the end of Sky and Breath jumps through the portal like Hunt zaps her with lightning she opens a portal she jumps through she's like see you in hell and then wakes up on Reese and Feyre's front lawn so staring into Azriel's eyes which we have all we have already just, like covered is everybody's dream and if it's not like you need to just read Akatar and Crescent City <laughs> over again and like fall in love but anyway She's in she's in Prithian. She is now where we pick up with her in one of the interrogation rooms, which we find out obviously is one of the ones underneath the Hewn City with Amran, Resand, and Azriel. And they're like, What's going on? And she is kind of hesitant to tell them because she doesn't trust them, which fair. She doesn't have the history with Rhysand and Amarin and Azriel that we all do as readers. She doesn't know that she's supposed Which to love them. I thought
0: Sarah did that really well. I'm going to give her props and commend her for the way that she was able to handle those relationships and not totally give in to the fan service of mm-hmm. just making everybody besties right away because that's not realistic. This is a very powerful person who just landed in Prithian with the star sword with Gwydion that's been missing for 15,000 years and speaks the old fae language like of course they're gonna be suspicious of her and vice versa.
1: Yeah. Reese was you know his usual a little bit scary a little bit fair self. Amryn, he's not gonna
0: be cuddly fluffy Reese like we know him to be around a strange alien woman who just landed on his lawn. Of course he's gonna be asshole high lord Alpha hole Reese,
1: right, right, and like Emran's kind of your. He is a kid now. He does have a kid. He's overprotective dad mode, which like we'll get into a little bit later. Emran's just kind of like our voice of reason. She is the o- pretty much the only person who can tell Reese and he's being an idiot. So like you know we love her. We need her for that. And then Azriel is like the quiet dangerous one. Who like Reese is the obviously dangerous one, and Azriel is the one who's like will ruin your life, and you will thank him for it. I concede. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where, that's where we leave off with Bryce. Hunt, Rune, and Baxian are, as we know, in the Asteri dungeons. And, like, they're not doing well. Oh, they are,
0: for the first the entire 400 part one. pages, probably? Yeah. These men are... And I don't know how Sarah had the stomach to even put all of this on paper. I was, I was It gonna was say. the goriest torture chamber scene that I've read in any like romanticy series ever I think
1: it was it was kind of gruesome like someone needs to check on Sarah like is she okay she looks like she's
0: thriving on the internet but we all know seriously Sarah like <laughs> are just, you good
1: like someone just check in with her
0: blink twice if you need help Sarah we're here.
1: So that's where we left our, like, favorite hotties, which is a little unfortunate yep, and they
0: In pools and pools of their own blood, vomit, shit, and piss.
1: <laughs> so bad. And yep. it gets worse. That's like, the, that's, like, the, like, most decent part there of it There
0: is, in fact, a scene where Baxian has to chew runes. No, we're not
1: going to talk about Rune's hand. We're not going to talk about <laughs> Rune's hand. I am not, I'm not ready to talk about it. Okay, we'll get there. But it um, does happen. Stop it. Then we have Ethan. Ethan, who just, like, adopted a new charge. I don't even know, like, how how else to describe her. He has, like, taken this former astronomer's mystic, who is actually a Fender heir to the wolf throne, into, like, under his wing. And he's like, I'm going to unfuck the corruption that Sabine would be bringing into the wolves. As prime, and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this with this like random little mystic this girl. Weird, g- who he names? Okay, mangy he names runt. Her, he names her Sigrid, he which na- is
0: such a strange choice. It Why is. Why Sigrid? Did we but- ever
1: look up what that means? no but if you look at the fenders they all have very scandinavian sounding names and so Mm. literally if you go back to like danica's ancestors when they map out their names and stuff um sigrid is also a norwegian singer and i love her very much so like yes Uh, natalie just looked that up on google while we were recording and so i just felt like i had to drop that in there yes but they're all scandinavian names so i think she was just in keeping with that she picked something in that family that tracks Um, But like Ethan, Ethan picked it for her. This girl didn't remember her name and she is Ethan Hope's like salvation for the Fender line to like not be rotten. Which I think
0: is really honestly naive Hope from Ethan. Not that we've known him to be exceptionally wise in the past. No, he's he's like a college
1: student. He literally found
0: this like mangy deranged scrawny little mystic girl that had been floating in water for the last however many years 15 decade i don't know and just said yeah this she'll she'll be better than sabine for sure having literally been put in there since she was a child she doesn't know how to do anything she doesn't know anything about how the world works she doesn't she barely knows she's a wolf she definitely has like the strength and ferocity of an alpha right out the gate which, That's like, how he knew. Which,
1: like... But again, she's this, like, shriveled up little girl. How does she have any of that? I don't... I, I think he literally just thought to himself, I means anything's better than Sabine. That's probably it. We'll kind of, like, circle back to our thoughts on Ethan's plot. I have some thoughts on his, like kind of misplaced hope for Sigrid but in order to talk about that we need to discuss like where he ends up at the end of the book so like maybe we circle back to Ethan's plot a little bit later and like where he got all of his ideas about finding a send offender air um kind of like will make sense once we figure out where he lands and then the last one we kind of need to just like set the scene for is Therion. Uh, Therion is essentially blood oath to the Viper Queen and for anyone who's read Throne of Glass like I'm using the phrase blood oath very intentionally at the end of Crescent City 2 at the end of Sky and Breath he literally drinks the Viper Queen's blood from her wrist which if you've read Throne of Glass, you know, like with Aelin and with Maeve, blood oaths are a thing, um, and so it just gives it gives Throne of Glass vibes um, and some sort of like little tiny Easter egg connections. But make it drugs. But she's got yes, her venom makes it not only like a blood oath where you have to do her bidding and her will is your will, but also you just have to keep coming back to her because for your it's hit like of drugs, a, a,
0: addictive substance somehow
1: correct so like, Theron's just kind of like barred uh, out yeah yeah wild um
0: oh and are, he's being forced to like or i guess not forced because he chose to in, indenture himself to the viper queen but he's being thrown into prize fights
1: yes he is like her most prized fighter he gets all the next to
0: times. ariadne the dragon who we still don't know what's coming for her but there's been hints that some something crazy is gonna happen with her
1: right she barely like she's there and she's kind of like a tertiary character at best and perhaps. then she's just
0: like i don't know
1: and I, she pops up at the very end one more time and you're like oh i haven't seen you in about five hundred thirty pages but, okay um all right so let's get into the what now that we've established where everyone started at the beginning of this book let's let's talk about bryce and prithian yes
0: and and i just a disclaimer like all of this, all of these plot lines, all of these characters. Props to Sarah for keeping track of it all, but I don't blame you if it was dizzying because truly there was so much going on, as much if not more than the first book, I would say. (laughs) Like the second book was all over the place, but at least the kind of core cast of characters was pretty much together the whole together time. Most of the time, yes. In this one, everyone's doing different stuff in different places all over the all over the place. Yeah, and there were just like page breaks where the perspective would change mid chapter. Right, which a is very Throne of Glass. Changes. That happens in Throne of Glass quite a bit, um because I know Sarah's style very well and. I'm very familiar with the characters obviously it was fine for me to follow but if you are not equipped to deal with this I do not blame you for being dizzied and we're here to help.
1: Yes so let's follow let's follow Bryce through Prithian and kind of dissect what she did in part one. Obviously like Natalie said it bops around a lot um, but let's just kind of like zone in on Bryce and talk about what we learned. In Prithian, from her time with our besties Nesta and Azriel down in some sick ass caves. Yes.
0: So Bryce, uh, first first things first, we start off in an interrogation chamber with Bryce, Resand, Amaran, and Azriel. Nesta's n- not there. She's not there no, in the she's interrogation room, now. They're interrogating her. They're trying to find out what her deal is, why she has the star sword, etc. And she's not giving them the full story. Rightfully so. Completely fair. I wouldn't want to either. But she's definitely very intimidated of Resan's power. Um, eventually, they decide, we're going to just leave you here until you want to talk. They are delivering her food, but she's just kind of stuck in this chamber. Um, in the dungeons and there is a pit of hissing snakes underneath her through this grate and she ultimately decides after a few days that she wants out of there um, right and she's
1: like i'll take my chances with whatever is down there like i killed the knock i can do this so right. she's so she's so silly
0: <laughs> so she teleports naturally into the snake pit and finds that the snakes actually stay away from her
1: right because of her power because of, of her, her starlight
0: starborn power sure and so convenient. She, <laughs> she, she's uh teleported down into this tunnel, and lo and behold, Nesta is there. We also don't know this yet, but is also there concealing himself in the shadows, following them in case something goes wrong.
1: When Nesta was like, you can come out now, and then Azriel just materialized out of the shadows. I think I screamed. Oh, I definitely yelped a little. I was like, Oh come on, Sarah. Like,
0: <laughs> okay. He came out right when they needed someone with wings, of course. So Nesta and Bryce are down here. She's like, damn, Reese sent you to follow me, huh? How'd you know? I got out. And Nesta's like, we have people who can talk to shadows. And She's like, that's weird, but okay. And her star is like pointing her in this direction that it wants her to follow
1: super bad. So Her star is basically like ways for these tunnels.
0: Yeah, it's like a compass. Yeah. And so she starts following her star nesta's like where the hell are we going there's eventually like a landslide situation where the entrance where nesta came from gets blocked off um bryce thinks that she did it but in fact it was Azrael that closed off the cave and Mm -hmm. they had just been instructed to follow her and see where she was going they have a nice if you've seen avatar the last airbender and you remember in season two they walk through this tunnel and there's a bunch of nomads and they sing this song secret tunnel secret tunnel through the mountain secret 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 tunnel and that's, that's exactly what happened here <laughs> it's just the three of them waltzing on down through the tunnel following the light of bryce's star whatever direction it points them they, they come a, across the mid and guard worm yeah
1: they have a nice little encounter with the Worm. The
0: guard worm
1: mid and worm with a y Midgard, Midden Guard. Bryce is like, oh, it's from my home planet. And they're like, yeah, we hate it. <laughs> and she's sure.
0: like, like, it's gross. It needs to go. <laughs> and Nesta at one point puts the mask on so she can animate this Skeleton corpse of a, a dead snake thing and kill the worm with it. Pretty crazy stuff. Eventually.
1: Which is where, let's just like pause. That's where Bryce sees the mask in action. That's how she knows it exists and she realizes what it can do. And yeah. we all know like horn, mask, crown, Harp, Dread, trove. Dread trove. Yeah, we have we have some like trials and tribulations in the case. Oh yeah, the whole time
0: the they're all playing mind games with each other.
1: Right, like Bryce sets it up so the wor- worm has to come and find them because she's like basically trying to get away and go find her information power whatever it is on her own. And then she has like a guilt trip when Nesta and Azrael get attacked, so she runs back to help them. And they then then they play dead to prey on her guilty conscience and then use her as bait to bring the worm back and eventually slay it. Everyone is trying to one-up each other, and then eventually they're like, we're tired. Let's and it just keeps keep going.
0: going. And then they keep going, and eventually they get to the place that Bryce's star was calling them towards, which, which is, is the prison. The prison the prison the prison in fact um which is an island off of the night court that Mm -hmm. is very 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 far away from the hewn city so they've been walking through these tunnels for like a week probably
1: right and there's there's like suspicion that these tunnels you're not actually walking the entire thing you're being like transported Mm -hmm. and there's like portals that bring you closer
0: oh by the way we didn't mention this at all The entire tunnel is engraved with carvings of random history, like hieroglyphics on the
1: wall. And Bryce obviously is, or used to work for Jessica, so she's familiar with antiques, art, all this stuff. She studied it in college, all of this. So she just like casually and so wonderfully happens to have the artistic eye to take in all of these details and kind of like follow along with what they're saying, and. So we get little glimpses. We get little glimpses of this story. But then what actually ends up like giving us the full picture is when they get to the prison, there's just this big ass door with an eight pointed star. And Bryce is like, of course, huh? That's on my chest. And
0: she just tries to push on it and it opens.
1: for than... Yeah, there's just like a little triangular slit that opens and they're like, perfect. And they go inside. And who do we meet but a hologram? Of this woman named Celine, who
0: is an a distant, distant, distant aunt of Bryce,
1: right? She's so, Thea's daughter. So Thea had two daughters in Midgard. They know one of them by the name of Helena, and then they're like, "Oh, there was another one, but we don't remember who she is." This is her, Celine.
0: She's she tells, over here.
1: Yeah, she tells the whole story
0: of what happened, what Thea's power did. Everything about the Fae, Bryce has this reckoning and she's like, oh my god, the Fey have always been like awful tyrannical people. Thea wasn't good like I thought. Like, right. I have, I'm carrying this ancestral curse and the weight of the evil that my ancestors did of being power hungry and blah blah blah. But she does learn that Prithian was able to successfully, you know, oust the Asteri. Mm-hmm. They opened a portal to another world and... It appears that there were creatures from all sorts of different planets, including Throne of Glass world, Fae that could shift. There was this big battle with the Asteri because they realized they were had actually gotten there first and were harvesting resources from the humans. Very, very big info dump monologues, shenanigans, which I wasn't extremely fond of, to be honest. It was necessary, very much, but yeah. It was very annoying. much tell,
1: don't show. Yes, a lot of telling was happening here and but we talked about this when we were reading it would have taken so many more pages correct. to kind this of this would like, have been six books right to have Bryce go and have to piece these information puzzle pieces together would have taken way too long so instead we have a little hologram Celine, to tell us everything yes
0: and ultimately she learns that Thea used the harp to split her power into three and divide it between herself and her two daughters and at the end of the battle on Midgard um where Thea dies and the Asteri are cemented into rule, there was a portal that was opened, Mm -hmm. and Selene went
1: through it back to Prithian on her own. Right. The intention was for Thea to send her two daughters through, but at the very last second, Helena was like, we're not going to make it, but one of us should, at least. So she sends her sister through. She stays. We all know the Midgard story... Helena ends up with Peleus, who was Thea's general. And that's one bloodline. And then Silene, Celine, whatever.
0: And Selene brought Truth Teller back with her, right?
1: Yes. And she gets forgotten on the Midgard side, is stuck in Prithian, and she tells us becomes essentially Lady of the Night Court. Um, and my favorite is when she's like, he said I could be High Lady, but I just, after seeing what power did to my mom, I just didn't want it
0: period i guess it was like
1: okay bestie but sure
0: and so she has kids and then she is this old old fae woman and she's depressed and so she leaves this hologram and she leaves her power somehow trapped and
1: buried in the prison so the prison itself she spent her time in prithian after she got back essentially trapping all of these really bad creatures in the prison when And the prison is what used to be her mom's like palace.
0: Right. So estate. if you've ever
1: wondered, like when you're reading Akatar, why there's all four seasons, but then when it comes to... There's day, day night, night, and dawn, dawn but, but no not dusk. dusk. The prison used to be the Dusk Court. And that Dusk's was Dusk's truth. Yep. And that was Thea's court. One plus one equals two. Yep. And at the end of at the end of Sky and Breath, Rigolis tells Bryce that her starborn lineage hails from An island off the main continent, which is literally the prison. It's this island off the main, the mainland. So the prison didn't always used to be this like big, scary, desolate, just slab of rock in the middle of some turbulent ocean.
0: Might I add also that if Prithian is supposed to be Great Britain and there's an island off of it that's clearly supposed to be Ireland, Mm. Bryce Quinlan is one of the most Irish names I've ever heard in my life.
1: Sarah... Sarah. Anyways, <laughs> um. So so we learn all of this. We long spend, story short, we spend a couple chapters just listening to a history lesson from Professor Celine, and then and there being some shocking revelations as well for the prithian
0: girlies, Nesta right. and Asriel. They're Celine like, "Did Resand
1: know any of this?" No, and they're and like, "They're like, no. <laughs> Guess it got lost to the ages." But when Celine pops up, Asriel's like, "Wait." This bitch looks like Risa's sister. And we're like, ooh. So that's that. So like Risa needs to be filled in on all of this. Yes. And his reaction. Really excited for Akatar 5 now. <laughs> yeah. Really got to know. We got teased. Um. So then Bryce seizes this power that Celine has kind of stored, for lack of a better term, in the prison rock. Yep. And they crash through the floor, they go down, and they find this tomb, and in the tomb is an Asteri. Not one of the, like, not the seventh one who- Not we, serious, Right, who, not serious. Who
0: got eaten by Apollyon.
1: Which we do find out is actually the story.
0: Um, I still think, and we'll get into this later, I've said that about seven times, but I promise we will, that Amron is an Asteri right we find out
1: it's not just there's not just seven of them there are more Vesperus who's under the prison is an additional one there are potentially like an infinite number we have no idea so anyone can be Asteri as far as we're concerned um so we meet Vesperus who's just been entombed in this quartz uh sarcophagus and Asriel and Ness are like Let's not open that. And Bryce is like, you know what? I'm going to open it. Bryce, the most reckless (laughs)
0: character in any book ever. Vesperus is, and despite having been entombed for 15,000 years, still somehow
1: has some shred of power. Right. So Bryce is out here trying to fight her. Turns out it's Nesta with Ataraxia and her, like, silver flame power who kills Vesperus, which I think is so interesting because the whole purpose of this book is Bryce trying to figure out how Truth Teller and the Star Sword together can oust the Asteri. And meanwhile, the very first Asteri ever killed in these books, like, on page, is by Nesta and her weirdly made Symbolic, sword.
0: Sarah.
1: Like, Nesta's got... She's got some crazy shit up her sleeve. And
0: we know that Gwydion and Truth Teller both were made by Thea and call call to one another, but are also imbued with some sort of power that is unique to Thea. Mm -hmm. Could certainly be the same case for Nesta, since she is
1: the one who crafted Adaraxia. Oh, of course. And Bryce says multiple times that nesta's sword feels weird to her yeah you know like it she feels like physically repelled by it it feels odd and meanwhile like the star sword like sings for her right so then bryce does this real crazy thing where she goes you know what i got more power i've learned some shit you know what i'm gonna do now go home with with truth teller she just like pops a yui and is like bye y'all peace And She horns herself right on home. And magically just... Okay, I just want to pause. Before we say where she lands. That was like the very end of her part one journey. Yeah. And when she poofed out of Prithian, there was a moment where I was like, I really think it would be cool if she ended up meeting Aelin next. That did not happen. But... Unfortunately. I had a moment where I was like, what if this is about to happen? And then it didn't. So now that we know what Bryce did in Prithian. Let's talk about what was happening in a different dungeon. Worst dungeon. The Asteri dungeons. Mm-hmm. The worst dungeon ever. Literally so bad. Hunt, Rune, and Baxian are not doing well. I, I feel like if... Y- you need to just be forewarned. There's some, like, really gruesome stuff that we have to, like, cover. It's gross. It's truly. really bad. Um, Essentially, between the three of them, they're getting tormented by... Pollux also known as the Hammer and the Hawk who are both part of like the Asteri's little legion of cronies and Lydia at this point where we begin the book is still undercover yep. like her cover has not been blown yet she is still you know the spy breaker for the Asteri so she is part of this like trio of cronies who have to go in and torture answers and information and just break hunt rune and baxian
0: and she's trying to mind speak to rune and he's rune is having none not of it. having it he's really really mad at her he's really from being the fact behind.
1: that yeah that this agent that he met on the mine bridge slept with on the mind bridge fell in love with honestly on the mind bridge is this cruel spy breaker he's having trouble reconciling that don't blame him honestly um and so We'll spare some of the details about the barbed wire and the lack of wings and the Gorsian shackles and... The hand chewing off. The hand and the fact that (laughs) Rune had piercings and no longer has piercings. That really hurt me to Mm -hmm. read. But Hunt has some interesting conversations because he sees some shadows of his own uh, while he's in this dungeon. And it turns out that Apollyon, Prince of the Pit, and Idis, Prince of the Chasm, both are homies from hell just, like, materialize to just, like, chit-chat with Hunt while he's down bad. And they, and they just show up and, like, give him some, like, cryptic couple sentences. And he's like, what does that and mean? Like, and they're like, why you
0: still have the black crown on your head? He's like, what do you mean? It's tattooed on me, dumbass.
1: Right. And they're like, you'll figure out what we mean when the time is right. And he's like, I'm really sick and tired of y'all saying that. Like, it's so... He's so frustrated, and I get it. We were frustrated, too. Like, we just want to know what it is that they know. And we'll get there. Rune is just down really, really bad, and he's not doing well. And eventually, Apollyon tells Hunt, you need to figure your shit out because the Asteria are going to allow Pollux and the Hawk to pick one of you to die and it's not going to be Hunt because they're using him as bait and they also want his lightning because they are
0: trying to necromance, and they for somehow lightning is a critical ingredient for
1: their necromancy right so it's like between Rune and Baxian and while they know that Bryce would be motivated by her brother being alive they're also like it would really hurt her if her brother is dead and so they're like Hunt is enough of a beacon for her to come back to rune Rune's gotta go and napoleon literally tells hunt this like the fey prince is going let's move on to
0: ethan therion and our favorite flynn the random lordling and our favorite computer fairy Declan.
1: yes so they're all back in crescent city ethan ethan's like okay i'm gonna try to groom this new this new potential prime to challenge Sabine she's been out of the tank for maybe two seconds and she is a raging bitch on wheels Natalie and I were texting each other and we were like you know they're gonna end up mates aren't they thank god that did not happen I don't like her in fact the opposite quite the opposite the opposite took place and then Ethan is like Therion what are you doing and he's like I'm literally blood oath to this viper queen like I can't leave he's like yes you can he's like no 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 he's no like, no no babe
0: no. you have free will don't forget
1: And he's like, no, no, I'm addicted to her. There's venom. And Ethan's like, that doesn't make any sense. He doesn't even have to say there's
0: venom because he's on the venom and he's like slurring his words. (laughs) He's rolling. As a recent college graduate and a person who went to a big school with Greek life, this was a very visceral part of the book (laughs) for me to read. Just the vision of the most disgusting fraternity suite room you've ever seen in your life with some random guy just like... (laughs) Cashed on the couch, (laughs) slurring his words. I was like, I think I've seen this film before. And I did not like the ending. Get me out of here.
1: That's so, that's so fair. Ethan's like, you know what I'll do? I'm going to barter for your freedom. So he makes a deal with the Viper Queen. And the Viper Queen's like, okay, you participate in one fight for me. And if you win, Therion gets to go free. Yeah, these
0: these are fights to the death usually. Correct,
1: Right. So like, if he loses, he is again a dead and b Therion is just forever indentured so ethan's like cool i'll do it forgets the one key detail of figuring out you know negotiating who he will fight right
0: and every they just assume that it's going to be ariadne the dragon because she's right. also she's the, also, powerful, um, she's the prize fighter for the viper queen at this point and dragonfire kills literally everything so she just you know that's that's who we think Ethan's going to be stacked up against right. but then.
1: Then the Viper Queen just is like oh no I traded Ariadne for something. Yes she's gone. I set her free she's gone bye. She's gone. We're like oh, oh okay bye. And She pulls um, a fast one and lo Ethan and behold. Ethan has to fight Lil Siggy the Fender Air you know she's been out of the tank again like I said for two seconds two days whatever like where did she have the time to eat enough hamburgers and like train to have the weight and strength to pull off a legitimate fight with Ethan. Couldn't tell you but what was she going does. going
0: through my head
1: did she not get out of the
0: tank like a week ago? Like, what is going on? Because the events of this book pick up immediately where Sky and Breath left off.
1: And I don't really think that much time is has gone by. Like, part one seems to me like it's a handful of days at most. Somehow she's got these, like, amazingly alpha instincts to the point where she's able to take on Ethan, like, actually, like, hurt him. And we've all been told the Holstroms are alphas. Like, they just allowed the Fenders to maintain their dominance because Connor believed in Danica. So they've kind of suppressed the need to be Alphas because Connor would rather be second to an Alpha like Danica than be the Alpha of his own pack or challenge the Fenders. Mm. So Ethan has this like pent-up Alpha energy and then Sigrid is also an Alpha and but she's like a completely untrained Alpha just going off of sheer instinct and manages to land some pretty significant blows on Ethan. But ultimately, she like dodges right when she should have dodged left at one point, And Ethan just punches her clear through the throat and kills her. Like, cool, 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 cool. So Ethan has spent his part of the plot for all of part one trying to groom this girl to challenge Sabine. And she's dead. And my guy is so
0: naive and soft-hearted. He is going to grapple with this one for a while.
1: Yeah, he feels very responsible, which, I mean, he,
0: he was is the one
1: who did it. So that's where we leave. That's where we leave Ethan. He's he's alive, and Therion is free. And at the very end of part one, Flynn and Deck get this get this little phone call, and it is Lydia saying, hey, besties, I need your help. Can you get to the Asteri Palace? And Flynn and Deck are like, we got to go now. So they, like, pull the car around and, like, whip it into gear
0: also at this point lydia has been she's been scheming and conniving she went and found the queen of the sprites erythus 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 any of the above will fly
1: let's go with erythus erythus
0: she is has been trapped for a century in this little crystal orb the same kind of way that the other fire sprites were with the astronomer and ariadne in the ring And she's being kept where the mystics are in this like secret
1: basement of the Asteria dungeon palace. We kind of get glimpses of the scheming that she's doing. She's like, I'm going to set up a distraction. And she gets Erethus to help her plan a distraction. So the Asteria are looking the other way while she commits the ultimate act of treason that will eventually out her to break out our little trio of hot men. Long story short, there is a big old jailbreak
0: scene involving Lydia straight up shooting the hawk in the head in the elevator. Loved it. While she's literally, I think, bringing Hunt, Rune, and Baxian up to watch Rune get killed in right. front of the hysteria. Yep. So they're being escorted out and we know what's going to happen. And so Lydia hijacks them. She kills the hawk and there is a Armed artillery jeep waiting for them outside. Right, Baxian like, takes the, jeep. the machine gun. The rest of them are all sitting in the jeep. Rune is
1: down bad. He's Rune is barely coherent. He's barely coherent. They have pushed him to the brink. He is just like in the front passenger seat. and, and the, Also, he's missing a hand at this point. Like,
0: handless. I
1: told you I don't want to talk about Rune's hand. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's too painful.
0: Anyways, so so they're this, like, we also learn at this point that because of Lydia's double agentry as Daybright, Ophion, the human rebels, had an alliance with the Ocean Queen, okay? So remember that submarine? Love the depth charger. Great memories on the depth, the depth charger. charger. And how it was called, where there was just this white stone that, like, got dropped in the water, and it appeared.
1: So the depth charger is en route, as there, It's en
0: route, thank you. Lydia, no thank you to Therion, you're worthless.
1: But- Lydia takes his Jeep and she guns it. She's like, I'm flooring it. And She's
0: full Mad Max Fury Road. No, out totally. Here.
1: And then we hear Deck's voice over the the stereo and Rune's reaction. He he cries. He hears Deck's voice and he cries. And then another so sweet Van By the up. way,
0: our favorite computer fairy did hack the cameras to help them get out. Declan can hack anything, anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter, he can do it no level of encryption is keeping our computer very out he's ken and his job is computer
1: correct and then another van pulls up alongside them and flynn pops his head out it's like hey and rune like is crying again like rune is just rune is (laughs) shambles this poor guy and all of this is told from hunt's pov and i specifically remember this because there was a line where he goes like The distraction was an attack on the Spine, which is the supply chain, like, main highway.
0: Thanks to Irythus for helping in this chain of explosions.
1: And so, obviously, like, the distraction was to help Ophion and was to hinder the Asteri, which it all did serve a purpose. It wasn't just a useless distraction. But then he goes, like, the escape had been for Rune that really hurt me like reading that really hurt me Lydia specifically knew that they were gonna take Rune out and she couldn't let that happen and Hunt and Baxian got to go along for the ride but she broke them out for Rune the ox is
0: chasing after them Mordok and like the
1: Dreadwolves and all yeah. of the the group that used to
0: report all to Lydia. The, ba- the big baddies are coming after them. The Triari are on their tail. And so Lydia's like, you guys go ahead. Everyone loads into the depth charger because Lydia also was able to get first light shots to help Hunt and Baxian grow back their wings because they were cut off multiple times in the Asteri Dungeons. As we know, is one of the most painful things for one of those angels to endure. And so she helps them grow their wings back. They're fully grown Conveniently, right but, in time for this escape, so they have to pick up everyone and dump them into the opening hatch on the depth charger. when because, it And because,
1: but because they've been in the dungeons for so long, and yes, they have their wings back, but they haven't like legitimately used them yet. Yeah. Between the two of them, they can only carry one person, and so she's like, "You gotta take Rune." So they kind of like you know shoulder Rune between the two of them, fly down to the depth charger, and Lydia shifts into the slickest deer ever lo and behold she makes it to this cliff and it's either
0: jump or get bitten and destroyed by mordok so she jumps
1: yeah shifts back gets, into her
0: humanoid form and jumps and she, she realizes gets shot
1: through the chest while she's jumping off the cliff with the intention to just like go splat so she's like eh, whatever yeah and then she's like i got rune out so it's chill but then therion's like oh hey have a water plume And he, like, softens her landing. She's still shot through the chest. She's fully dead. Yeah. She flatlined multiple times. And we find out on the depth charger, like, Hunt had to zap her with lightning multiple times to revive her. Um, So, like, human defibrillator vibes. Angel defibrillator vibes, actually. So, now we're back on the depth charger. And, like, Rune is basically refusing. Rune's down bad.
0: Lydia's dead. Like, it's a mess. We're... It's... Everything's a mess. And Therion is a fugitive from the law right f- so for multiple people the river queen and the viper queen and now he's on the ocean queen's ship
1: and-, and the ocean queen is like why are you making me enemies by being here anyway rune is refusing certain medical attention and insisting it goes to lydia meanwhile he's grappling with the fact that he still is like mind blown that he fell for the hind and so he, like, still hasn't reconciled his feelings. He's like, I don't know if I like her or I hate her. And he's like, damn, she's beautiful. But, oh, we find out Lydia's a mom. Yes. There's yes, that. we do. <laughs> there's that. She's just, like, casually got, like, teenage twins. Uh, so there's And they hate her ass. One of them's, like, the quiet one who's like, mm, I don't really know. And then the other one is like, you're a terrible, terrible person. You know that? The quiet one is... He's not quiet,
0: per se. He's, like... He's, like, observant. His name is Bran. And the other one is named... Action? Action? Acidion? I don't know. I think it's Action, but they call him Ace. Right. Okay, so we'll just call him Ace. Ace is the one that's chewing her out for being a horrible person and for leaving them.
1: Right, so we don't know... But they have great foster parents
0: on this boat.
1: Okay, while all of this has been going down, Bryce... Has drumroll, please, back into Midgard. Much to my chagrin, because again, like I said, I was really hoping she was going to go meet Aelin straight into none other than her daddy's house, the Autumn King. Bryce lands directly in front of the Autumn King in his study. They have a contentious relationship. We all know this. It does not get better.
0: Yeah, uh, just to keep it brief, because this is just confirmation that he sucks. Basically, they just bicker. He's still an asshole. She lands there and pretends she did so unintentionally, but secretly all along, knew he would underestimate her, knew she had this new power, wanted to do a little bit of digging and research of her own. And, and knew she, that he'd
1: been doing research of his own yes. on the
0: planets because of his orrery. And she ends up locking him downstairs in a closet. Steals his notebook, steals, steals his diary. Steals his notebook, steals her star sword. He, he's also like sent all the guards away. He's like, let's just have father-daughter bonding time. And she's like, I hate you. And she takes his stuff, locks him in a basement and dips.
1: Yes. And I would like to pause. I was hoping when I started this book, and I think we all kind of had some suspicions, like maybe the Autumn King has been working on something secret and is going to come in handy in the third book to help Bryce. So I was hoping he would have some sort of purpose to he's help just her. an opportunist, though he's not no.
0: conniving against anyone. He's only conniving for himself, right?
1: And he is content. And he will stop
0: at nothing to get the maximum amount of power.
1: I mean, he's misogynistic, and like the only thing he ever says he feels bad about is the fact that he hurt Bryce's mom. But like, he doesn't have any remorse for some other really bad things that he did. I will say, I appreciate that Sarah picked some villains and like made them villains through and through. Obviously with Lydia we thought she was this like really terrible spy breaker torturer and then she turns out to be a rebel and ultimately everything for Rune and everybody else and just an overall badass in their favor but the Autumn King is just a bad guy and he stays a bad guy. He's just he's still bad. She locks him in this closet. This one's for two. all of
0: you who doubted Hunt and Bryce's relationship. Are you joking? please be serious anyone who thought anything other than bryson hunt being end game i want you to take a long hard look in the mirror and ask yourself why so, so she pops into this meeting where the ocean queen has is, called
1: hunt and therion she's
0: berating everyone everyone's gathered in this cafeteria and she's like y'all
1: you guys brought my enemies to my doorstep by being here what is y'all's problem?" and she's pissed at Lydia
0: and she's pissed at Therion and she's just mad at the whole situation
1: and she's a scary scary tiny lady right she's like four feet tall then she's 10 feet tall and no matter how tall she is she has a ton of power she will wreck you and Bryce shows up and like walks in the doorway and it's reunion city it's reunion central Hunt is like oh my god that's that's my wife (laughs) also they got married off page i am pissed they got married off page sarah does this all the time like reese and pharah married off page aelin and rowan married off page why do we never get a damn wedding And, you know,
0: I'm like, there's hope for Nesta. I just had that thought in the back of my head. Nesta will never have a wedding. Let's be real with ourselves. Nesta is the kind of person who, A, doesn't believe in the convent of marriage, but B, would elope, if anything.
1: Can we just get a mating ceremony, at least?
0: We we technically do, the soup.
1: So Bryce shows up, and we have this, like, little reunion. Lydia heals, Rune heals. Everyone's, like feeling in feeling in tip-top shape as as good as can be and Bryce is like you know where we need to go next she feels everybody in first of all on her escapades and then she's like you know where we need to go now and they're like ooh, where and she goes Avalon, which is the other fae territory ruled by another awful fae king named Cormac's
0: dad Morvin. Morvin
1: what an awful name so
0: they're like you're kidding no offense if your name's Morvin Actually, full offense if your name's more. Why did your parents do that to you?
1: Please write us an email so we can shout you out on the next episode. Please. That's a little iconic, honestly. (laughs) So the Ocean Queen's like, ha, I'm not taking you to Avalon. But then she does. And And she tries
0: to make Therion stay on board and she's like, Lydia, don't come back here. And she throws him a bunch of of
1: ultimatums and they all just run away anyway. Yep. So we show up on Avalon. Avalon is notorious for being shrouded in mists. The mists are impenetrable to the Asteri, is the rumor. And Bryce shows up and just kind of like sticks out the star sword and is like waving it around. <laughs> She's like, I'm here. And the mists and like part. the Red Sea, the mists part. And a boat shows up with a talking stag head on it. And the stag is like, I've Been waiting for you, Bryce Quinlan. Everyone's been waiting for Bryce. Hell's waiting for Bryce. Celine and Thea and Helena have been waiting for Bryce. Everyone's been waiting for Bryce. They all go from the depth charger and jump off off onto this boat and make and their way to Avalon.
0: Bryce has been warned not to go to Avalon because they don't let women into the archives and they don't let women into the Cave of Princes because
1: they hate women. And it's called the Cave of Princes for a reason, so they say, because it's for princes. And that's just so redundant. And... They're like, Morvin's not going to let you do shit on this island. Yeah. And she's like, we'll see about that. And so they show up in front of Morvin and the murder twins, his um, nephews. So we all know like Reese in Akatar can not only like read minds and mind speak, but part of his power is being able to melt people's minds and their brains. And that's basically what these twins can do. So they're the example of what happens when it goes unchecked and they can just be assholes about it. And so you got these like murder twins and Morvan, who is referred to as the stag king. Big Throne of Glass reference there. And they start to use Flynn's sister as a bargaining chip to not give Bryce and her besties what they want. He claims
0: they don't want to have any unwed females on this island of Avalon.
1: And Bryce is like, oh, good thing I married Hunt. (laughs)
0: We're like, okay, don't rub it in and We're like jealous right and sathia yeah sathia is flynn's sister and she is obviously not married she's we don't know how old she is but in fey terms she's like baby girl mm-hmm. not like baby girl like child but like you know baby girl to me like 21 yeah in in fey years
1: right and so morvin is like we can't just we can't just have her she's a temptation
0: and so she's being forced to marry one of the m- murder twins. She's like, mm,
1: "No. She's like, I really don't I really, really not don't into that. want to." And so who offers himself up? Therion. right? He's like, "I'll marry her." And so he does. 5 minutes later, we They're actually married. do get a wedding. <laughs> it is essentially
0: the most benign quick feelingless wedding of all time. It's like
1: if you were to go get married in Vegas, but they told you like the Elvis wasn't even available. So you just had to go to a chapel and like have some rando do it. Exactly. That's the vibe.
0: But the rando is the stag king. Yeah. Anyways. Ock.
1: So they have two, two groups that they split up into when they're on Avalon. We've got the group that's going to scour the archives and the group that is going into the Cave of Princes, both looking for information. The archive group... Honestly, they just get to like sit around and leaf through maps and books and and all of that. We leave that work to Rune and Lydia, Flynn and Deck. Mm -hmm. The rest of them go into the Cave of Princes, which is where Rune, Flynn and Deck originally had their ordeal where Rune got the star sword, all that when they were like quote unquote teenagers, because who knows how old they really were. And all three of them are like, we are never going in there again. They are traumatized because the murder twins almost killed them. Hence the name. So they're like, not it. Nose goes. So everybody else, everybody else gets team to go caves. into the, Yep, team caves. Bryce is like, I'm going to be fine. I have this, my chest piece. Right. And we come to find out that the Cave of Princes is actually a exact replica of the tunnels on Prithian-
0: where we got to the prison from the Hewn City. Right. But there's one distinctive difference about these caves. And the caves on Avalon are actually made of obsidian. Black salt. Black obsidian salt. Which, if we remember from the first Crescent City book, is what you can use to summon and trap demons. I love chapters that have Bryce in them, but they aren't necessarily from Bryce's POV. Because we get to in this chapter, for example, it's Hunt's POV and we get to watch Bryce do all of these silly actions and you don't really know You why don't get she any... makes the choices she makes until she explains herself. She licks the wall of the cave. Oh yeah, I do remember that. And that Hunt so is weird. like What is wrong with my wife?
1: <laughs> Without the internal monologue, Bryce's actions are just a little unhinged.
0: But we learn that she licks the wall of the cave to confirm that it is indeed salt.
1: Yep. So at one point, they get ambushed by Morvin, the murder twins, none other than her dad, who has broken out of the closet. And they are holding Flynn and Deck captive by their brains. Essentially, the murder twins have them not by the balls, not by anything else, by the brains.
0: Brace like, blinds them or something, and they start running. They are just dashing through the cave towards where the star is pointing. Long story short. She's like,
1: I've been here before. I know the directions. So they all follow her, and they end up at the exact same same door. The door with the eight-pointed star, and she's like, there's going to be a triangle right there. They waltz right through, and they end up in this room that is... This one's a little different. This one
0: has an eight-pointed star on the floor, and it has two slits at either end of like two of the points of the star and there's a bowl and there's a bowl and there's a salty stream somewhere in this room somehow and she's like well guess i should just drink the salt and see where it takes me and so she and hunt take the bowl and they after arguing for a second about it they both drink the salt and where do they end up
1: having having a little like Mind kumbaya with mm-hmm. hell. They're like not physically in hell, but they're like daydreaming with the
0: princes of hell, and it's just the three: the prince of the pit, Apollon; the prince of the ravine, Thanatos; and, and our the bestie, the prince of the chasm, Aidas. Our bestie, and so they're all sitting there, and this is the scene in which we get yet another info long dump. info dump. Where we learn, finally, where Hunt came from and what he is and what they've been implying. Because he's like, y'all, you've been teasing me for so long. You better tell it to me straight. Yeah, Where like, did I come from and what am I? Stop yanking my chain.
1: Even Bryce is like, for God's sake, put us out of our misery. Right. Because he doesn't know who his dad is.
0: And it ends up not mattering. Um, It's a random person whose
1: name I forget that starts with an H. Hunt is essentially a test tube Baby, in a sense, in that like Apollyon and Thanatos did some stuff. Hunt is a science experiment at the yeah. end of the day. They got this Asteri scientist who was researching Thunderbirds, which we come to find out were a project that Hell had spearheaded. To create beings that could just wield energy. Knowing that any descendant of Thea and Helena. Would need an energy source. Like Bryce always says to fuel her up. Power her up. Like treat her like you know. A Light battery. her up if you will. Correct. And so they started creating Thunderbirds for this purpose. The Asteri caught on. And started having them executed. Right left and center. And so they were like okay. We need to take a different approach. What if. What if we put this energy situation but like mix that with someone who's an angel because the Asteri will never kill an angel. So Apollyon and Thanatos do this little science experiment where they get whatever essence, Apollyon's hellfire essentially is what they need. And hellfire is just h- hunts lightning. lightning. It's just the name for it. Right. And get it to this scientist so that he can go and... Have a little bit of fun with an angel and figure out how to create a baby. Hunt is
0: a son of hell, and because the we, th- we then learned the root of the black thorn crown tattoo, the slave tattoo that Hunt has once again been bestowed upon
1: the one that all the princes of hell are constantly like you. You, you shouldn't be shouldn't shouldn't wearing that.
0: Have that. They're like, take it off, because apparently the black crown was created to you know, enslave people by the Asteri, but it can't hold the sons of hell or the princes of hell. And so hunt just does this thing eventually
1: where he's like, closes, gets his rid eyes. of it. He closes his eyes. He meditates and really it. hard. He, <laughs> he just like it.
0: sears it off of his own. Scalp.
1: Yeah. But he doesn't do it right away because he's just come off of all this information that he's a son of hell and he's kind of reeling from it. And he's like, I don't know if I'm fully ready to like step into what this means for me. So he's like, I'll do it when the time is right.
0: But anyway, he learns basically that his entire reason for existing is to power up Bryce. And he's like, oh, I'm just Ken and my job is Bryce.
1: Makes which sense. we Which we basically said the exact same thing in our Crescent City 1 and 2 episode. And Sarah literally said, yes, correct. So gold star for us. So they have this little, this little moment with hell. But physically, their bodies are still in this like salt, black salt cave. And... The black salt starts to work its way out of their system. They start to, you know, the, the princes of hell start to disappear. They come to back in this cave.
0: Mega fight is happening in the cave. Shit's going down in the cave. the murder twins and the kings. Big fight. This was one of the most gratifying fight scenes in the book, I think. Uh, Bryce uses what she discovered that she could do in Prithian, which is called Starfire, I guess, where she concentrates her star light into Into a a laser laser. pointer basically so she's just lasering around and ultimately she ends up fighting morvin and the autumn king at the same time Mm -hmm. because they just really want her dead so bad so they're trying to kill her and And the
1: only people who are like not present in this cave right at that moment Arun and Lydia because they were like over having a moment in the archives and then eventually they're like we should we should maybe go see where everybody is so they are now as we know like traipsing through the cave of princes oh forgot to mention so Bryce is like
0: hmm remember how I took all that power from the prison maybe I could I don't know maybe the same thing happened here maybe Helena hid her power in, in these caves as well so those two slits that were in the floor of the eight-pointed star, she puts the Star Sword in one, Truth Teller in the other, and she's holding them both. And she just <laughs> sucks the power right up through those swords, and now she's got two thirds of Thea's power plus the third or however much of Thea's power she was born with. So she's like basically fully loaded. Yeah, now. she's got and she's got both of the weapons, and she's ready
1: to fuck some shit up. Right she is out here just like going after them and then there's like one little moment where she like is slightly exposed and it looks like she's about to get impaled but before her daddy can kill her there's this like burst of light and rune ends up in the cave and what does he do natalie he stabs
0: the autumn king right through his heart
1: in the heart and that was one of the most like you said gratifying moments and then morvin is like so what are you gonna do you're gonna kill me too like that's not very fair you're always talking about fairness and she was like you know what it doesn't it doesn't matter and she goes one of my favorite lines Such of the book. a good line she goes i am your judge jury and motherfucking executioner and just cuts the set off yep so anyway Love. big slay. slay then
0: all of a sudden Avalyn is healing. Avalyn has healed. They are propelled through the cave from this eight-pointed star. And Avalyn is no longer the, like, barren gray land that it was when they went into the cave. It's now lush, rolling meadows and hills. And they're like, what just happened here? And
1: they're talking about how, like, flowers are blooming and trees are growing. And it's, like, green and wonderful. And there's a moment at the end of Kingdom of Ash and Throne of Glass, too, where, like, Aelin returns home, finally having obviously won the battle and everything's like right in the world and symbolically there's this flower that hasn't bloomed in a really long time like in years because there's been so much corruption and everything's been not right and at the very end of kingdom of ash it blooms for for aelin and so it feels very much like that same kind of vibe where flowers are blooming for bryce and it's kind of like divine so Avalyn is healed bryce literally healed the land everything's going to be okay the calm before the storm now switching gears we have
0: back in crescent city proper ethan is working for Jessaba.
1: right because he ditched flynn and deck and therion at the last minute when they were like heading out of town when they go to jailbreak <laughs> rune ethan's like i can't
0: live with this guilt of killing the fender air so he goes to jessiba to see if he can find a necromancer to bring her back to life and throughout this scene we get him being employed to mysteriously pack up some boxes for jessiba don't really think much of it because jessiba moves in silence and we then finally after so long of guessing and postulating we get jessiba's backstory and it's not what either of us thought i think
1: no i none of us i don't even think i saw anything of of this nature on the internet, to be quite honest, like all of the crack theories around Jessiba, had her being a lot more powerful as her like who she was fifteen thousand years ago. But
0: we learned she's in fact just a, a priestess from fifteen thousand years ago, who was cursed by Apollyon to live all this time. And she was actually there the day that the Library of Parthos was going to be destroyed. destroyed. And in fact, Griffin Ant- Antiquities and her whole collection is part of the library of Parthos that she's been protecting all this time. But she was originally just a sorceress, priestess. She She's she not was a witch. A human. She's she just was a just regular, regular girly. And she was given the curse of immortality.
1: Right. So she's just a girl who loves books. Very relatable. Let's just pause. <laughs> she's just a girl who loves her she's books. She's really just like us. Yeah. And she was on this ship, the Griffin, to evacuate the books while other humans fought to give her time to get away her and like the handful of other priestesses who were in her cohort I guess and Apollyon was like I tell me what these books do like what is their value as weapons and she was like there is no magic to them they are just books there's no they're not weapons it's just ink on paper and he's like why would people fight for this And she's like, sir, rude. And he's like, until you can show me what they do, you're going to be cursed until you let me see them. You want to know
0: what they do? They get the girlies up at the crack of dawn to go to Walmart.
1: Amen. I don't even want to talk about the wild goose chase that was getting a copy of this book. We went to war for this book. (laughs) Like, honestly, we were Jessaba for this book. And Jessaba is just like us. She's a book girly. And she's been cursed to live with this immortality until she can show Apollyon that the books are weapons. So she's basically never going to die because the books are not weapons. And he just refuses to accept that. And so she's been trying this entire 15,000 year existence of hers to figure out how to, how to just let herself die.
0: But she also is like, you know, it's not so bad because these books need to be guarded by somebody and I need to make sure that I have someone here that I trust to take care of this library when I'm gone. Right. And that will come back into play later. It's not Ethan. It's not Ethan. It certainly is not
1: Ethan. But he is packing up some of her shit.
0: But someone who does show up And by the way, they are in the House of Flame and Shadow um, headquarters in Crescent City right now doing all this. Who shows up? but our dear witch queen Hypaxia who, who is, is no, no longer, longer the witch queen, queen. she got's been ousted by the general that we heard whisperings about in the first two books that didn't like her for some reason and remember Hypaxia was trained by necromancers and dead ghosts and her and dad she is, is a necromancer. necromancer
1: that's how she has the yes. talent and she has necromanced. Is that a verb? She has necromanced with Ethan once before. So when Ethan was like, oh, I need a necromancer. Sir, did you not have... Like, what is your attention span? Goldfish. So he goes to Jessiva and Jessiva delivers him the necromancer. He should have just asked Listen, in the first place.
0: He's just the snack that smiles back. He's got <laughs> no thoughts, just vibes.
1: He's just He's just a sunball player.
0: Exactly. Captain. Sunball captain. Sure. But... You know, to be Sunball Captain versus Captain Whatever versus Bryce Quinlan, Captain of Midgard. Big differences Big difference. in IQ and <laughs> in war strategy.
1: So so Hypaxia walks in and Jess was like, you two, go experiment.
0: And so they do. They get Sigrid out of the morgue. Hypaxia necromances her and she decides to become a reaper rather than come back to the land of the living. A yeah. reaper to live under the underking. Who is um, the head of the cool. house of flame and shadow? Right. He's he's head honcho, and we also learn that Jessaba is his second in command.
1: Slay for her, honestly. Good for her. She's just an immortal human, as much of an oxymoron as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Now, this whole
0: time, I don't I don't even remember when we learned this, but we learn that in fact the Asteri have poisoned all of the water on Midgard from the oceans to the aqueducts and irrigation systems with this parasite that forces people to make the drop so that they can feed off of the first light. And Ipaxia needs to find a cure for this parasite so that Bryce and the whole gang can unlock their full power and overthrow the Asteri. And so... Apparently, the only source for this power is a Thunderbird. So they need to go find Sophie Renast's body because she was a Thunderbird. So that they can necromance her, take some of her thunder and for her lightning and use it to make this antidote.
1: And so they're like, we need to find out where her body is. Jess was like, let me make some calls. As is her answer to most things. She's mm. like, let me my my people will call your people. And she's like, she comes back and she goes, the body's on Avalyn. Great for our plot. So Ethan and Hypax are like, road trip. They show up to Avalyn. Well, first, there's a quick detour.
0: First, Asphodel Meadows, where all the humans live Mm. in Crescent City, gets bombed by the Asteri with brimstone missiles. And lots of people are dead. Bryce's whole family, Ember and Randall, they're fine. And Emil, Sophie's brother, who's now named Cooper, he's also fine. Uh, they get taken to Avalon, actually, to be
1: right because safe. the mists, yeah. protect them. Mist,
0: the mists protect them, but we learn it's actually not the mists that are protective of Avalon. It's, it's the black the salt. salt caves keeps the Asteria away,
1: and um, it's like you know. it's like bug spray for the Asteria. right? And for for demons as well, right? Even though it lets you mind commune
0: with sure. hell, the science is not sciencing, but that's okay. This is a Sarah J. Mass book, not you know, NASA research. So
1: Right. So basically everyone shows up to Avalyn. Yeah,
0: so everyone's there. They learn, uh, actually, because Avalyn came back to life and you know the caves crumbled, a lot of stuff has gotten skerfuffled around, and Sophie Renas' body is now somewhere buried where the Autumn King and Morvin are. Like yes, deep under the ground. She's not available. But because we just learned that Hunt's lightning is the same lightning that a Thunderbird would have. Hunt donates his lightning to the cause and so apparently he, they can store it in these crystals similarly to when Rigulus took some from him in the dungeons and th- it's very unstable but hypaxia and ethan take the lightning back with them to crescent city back to the lab so they can experiment with it and make this antidote
1: yeah and let it be known too that part of the reason they needed Sophie renas is because in order to try to like re-bring sigrid back to the land of the living rather than the reapers hypaxia was like we can use we can use the thunderbird energy to do that and they are like Maybe Hunt's lightning will work, but then Bryce is like, no, 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 we need to use the lightning for
0: the antidote. The antidote. Yeah. Reaper can be secondary.
1: Right. So Ethan is stuck in this like middle ground of like wanting to help everyone and knowing that they need to make this antidote. Mm-hmm. And also just feeling really freaking bad that Sigrid is still a Reaper. So he's kind of in this like mental purgatory. Yes. Poor guy.
0: Um, but He's also the first test subject for the antidote when Hypaxia yeah. ultimately does get it made. And so when he takes it, he suddenly has ice power. Yeah, it unlocks It unlocks the magic. And he can like, shift instantly. Like He is 10 times more powerful, yep. plus he
1: has elemental magic. And we all know that there are Fae in Aelin's world. All of them have elemental magic and have a shifter form. And we know that the Asteri kind of bred their shifters to wean them out of their, like, fey, like, their obvious fey traits. So they think they're just shifters. But they are actually descended from the group of fey that came over to Midgard from Aelin's world. So if you are familiar with Rowan, Gavriel, Fenris, all of our favorites from Throne of Glass that can shift into different animal forms... Ethan is just all the wolves are
0: just they're just
1: that Um, and so his magic manifests as ice magic and he's like whoa this is fucking cool right and
0: so then he is like still kind of grappling with what to do about Sigrid and this new magic and he wants to go tell the den of wolves the big whole truth of everything that's gone down and that he has this hope for the future in the Sigrid Reaper. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he tells the den everything. And lo and behold, Sigrid shows up. She's not interested in this With situation. With Sabine and the astronomer. Yeah. Sabine and the astronomer are there. Um, And Ethan tells them about the parasite. The den is all shook up about it they're not into the idea of having their power sapped but then sabine shows up and shows them that in fact the the fender air that he's speaking of is a reaper and then the prime the old prime the old ass man who sabine has been waiting to croak for so long comes and is like strides
1: into the meadow and he's like
0: you know I'm not really into Sabine ruling here, and, you know, I had hope for Danica, but, uh, Ethan, I think you're the hope for our next generation. I am with you. I think your heart is in the right place, so y- I name you my heir.
1: And Sabine is and like... And then
0: Sabine kills his ass.
1: Yeah, Sabine flies off the handle and kills the Prime, which he, he basically already made Ethan the heir, so by killing him, she's essentially... She's just retaliating. She's retaliating. She's locking in his decision and not giving... Correct. And then Not she has to face Ethan
0: to... for Prime instead of the old
1: man. Right. Dumbass. Right. And so Ethan and Sabine have uh, a little kerfuffle. And long story short, Sigrid
0: sucks out the astronomer's soul because she's a reaper now. Like a dementor basically. Yeah. Uh, and Ethan kills Sabine.
1: Yeah. So astronomer gone. Prime gone. Sabine gone. Sigrid off in the wind. Off
0: sucking souls somewhere. We don't know. Um, so that's great. And then Ethan in Hypoxia,
1: Ethan's the prime now. So wow. Ethan's prime and he does not know what to do with himself. He is having, he is struggling because he thinks he keeps messing up and then suddenly he's been given this huge, huge burden, but should be kind of like a reward. It's like that most ultimate promotion. He's like, I just want to talk to my brother, Connor, who's dead and has been since page about 62 of the first book. Yeah. And
0: there's keeps being this repeated mantra of like make your brother proud make your brother proud mm-hmm. so, so he wants to see what Connor thinks about all of this
1: so Ethan and Hypaxia go to have a little chit chat with the underking which anytime someone goes to talk to the underking it never goes well Mm-mm. you just you don't you don't drop a death mark into the river and take a boat across the istros to the bone quarter and come back unscathed uh, the intention is you don't come back at all because the Underking is psychotic. But this is where we learn about the
0: truth of where the shifters came from—that they all have elemental magic. And remember, Ethan has now taken this antidote, and he's like—he uses ice magic to basically freeze the Underking, and then Hypaxia just hits him with a hammer or something, and he, and just he shatters. shatters and he's dead. Yeah. And, and now the Underking—the
1: Underking—explains to Ethan his. Whole Fey lineage, and then implies essentially that, or he says straight out that like Erd in the Crescent City world is the same thing as Word from the Throne of Glass world with Word Marks, Wordstone, all of that, and um, the Underking says that the void where he came from, like his people, invaded this other planet where Word is is fate, and the Underking is basically Valg, is what we learn. He he's Valg. It tracks, which is where Maeve explains that the Valg came from this void where there is no light; it is all darkness, and they popped up into Aurelia and are just feasting. So the Underking, the Underking sells you know basically sells out all the information about himself and then gets whacked.
0: Correct. And who replaces him? But our very own Hypaxia, because Jessika says, "If you break it, you buy it," and. Mm-hmm. You kill it, you become it. So, so she killed the Underking, so therefore she becomes the head of the House of Flame and Shadow. So now everyone in this entire book is conveniently the royal or head of something. Right. We have Ethan as prime of the wolves. We have Hypaxia as the head of House of Flame and Shadow, and Bryce we have Bryce as the queen, queen of all of the fae of on them. Midgard, because she killed both of the kings, yeah. Avalin and Valbara,
1: which is the fulfillment of Rune's prophecy. Yeah. End the royal of the bloodline, bloodline right there. Him. While Ethan and Hypaxia are having this tender moment with the Under King, Bryce and Hunt and her parents go up to Nina? Nena? Mm-hmm. Nina? Nana, Nina? Who knows? Which is basically like a city on the Arctic Circle. And it is right off of the infamous Northern Rift. And the Northern Rift is where Hell's armies have like been slipping demons into Midgard one at a time to wreak havoc Mm -hmm. and be silly um by the way during the salt
0: meditation that they did they salt
1: meditation i'm so dead
0: (laughs) they strategized and hell was like oh yeah our armies are ready just call us just give us a ring and we'll be there
1: yeah and so they they pop up to the northern rift it's cold as shit they are
0: freezing snow everywhere and they everything is white so they don't see the harpy approaching the harpy who was killed in the last book that the Asteri have necromanced and her wings used to be black and now they are white and she has no thoughts just kill
1: yeah she's like a husk of the harpy with with orders and that's it
0: they take her out no problem but they're like uh oh this doesn't bode well for the rest of there was not really payoff for this we'll get there but anyway
1: so Bryce Bryce opens the rift but We're like, okay, she's going to recruit hell. But before she opens the rift to hell, she opens the rift and pops open a nice portal to Nesta, having a cozy moment by the fire in the house.
0: And she's like, "This bitch
1: is back." Nesta's like, "Why are you here? Give me the dagger." Right, and Bryce is like, "Actually, I'm gonna keep the dagger. Um, And you're gonna have my parents though. And also, I want the the mask. I need the mask. And." she's like take my parents as collateral and Ness is like i don't i don't know she's like okay whatever just take my parents anyway and that's when Ness is like some shit's going down if she's willing to like send her parents over here for safety she really does need the mask so
0: and she knows that Bryce has this like made starborn power or whatever so that she won't be completely corrupted and destroyed by the mask like the ordinary wielder might
1: right so she gives Bryce the mask Bryce shoves Ember and Randall through Through the the portal portal. into the house library with Nesta. And quite honestly, Ember and Randall are living our dreams. While Bryce and Hunt and all of their besties are off to war, Ember and Randall get to chill in the night court with Nesta? Be serious. I am so jealous. The Ember and Randall bonus chapter, which I thought would be the most boring one of them all, it's the this best is one. it. This is it. It is the moment. It is a moment of them spending time together. She with is them. the moment. It's so good. What are Lydia and Rune up to? Well, Lydia gets this phone call from the Ocean Queen. And it's like, "Hey, um Pollux took your kids." Pollux being the hammer, her former lover, uh, r- the bad dude. Bad dude has her kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not an ideal situation. So, and so. and Lydia obviously as any mother would be is hysterical. Hysterical. Her first priority is her kids, making sure they're safe. Yeah. She. She. If Rune gets in the way, fuck that guy. You know.
1: So. So Rune. Calls, Mating bond be damned. <laughs> Rune calls uh, Hunt and, and Bryce and is like, "We have a situation." So everyone now goes to the Eternal City. We're back where you know the Asteri Palace. Yeah. It's time to get so real. Uh, this is
0: this is big battle moment. Mm-hmm. So. Long story short, and this was, you know, obviously a very climactic battle scene in the things that took place, but the actual events and choreography of it were a little bit lacking. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyways, the way it takes place, Bryce puts on the mask, she commands the fallen angels up from the dead, and shoves them into these pilotless mech suits that the Asteri have been working on to basically turn half of their armada against them. Right. Right. And She's got half
1: of Hell's armies with her. The other half defending the Northern the northern Rift. And they're all having quite a time. All of these beings that have just been chomping at the bit. Mm-hmm. Itis and Thanatos and Apollyon are like, let's go. By the way, also, uh,
0: at this moment in time, Ethan is harboring a bullet made of second light that Connor gave him before he killed the Underking. Uh, That all of the dead uh, poured their final shred of energy. They made this bullet out of melted down death marks from, you know, your passage into the bone quarter. And then uh, they all walked through the gate to give their second light and ethan slammed the bullet on the gate to imbue it with all the second light of all the dead in the bone quarter so yep. he has so, that and it's meant for the god slayer rifle for bryce to use against the hysteria
1: so he's like must get bullet with rifle to eternal city
0: so he's just sprinting with his wolf ass
1: right and then you've got therion who's on the who's on route with the antidote mm-hmm. so you got the two and therion them- took
0: the antidote so he's like suddenly king of the ocean like Therion wielding the is. hell out of these waves
1: yeah he is just surfing his way up to the eternal city so we've got our two messenger boys on route with their various yep. um but shit's apuchamon. already going down
0: bryce is armed with the star sword and truth teller she knows from and the mask she knows from attempting to kill Vesperus in prithian that she can open this portal to nowhere she doesn't know how to do it know really it's a know risk. What the portal to nowhere is but if there's one thing Bryce Quinlan is going to do it's, it's be reckless take a risk so she gets really close to Polaris one of the six hysteria there's only five that come out on the battlefield and she kills her ass and shoves her into this portal Tiny to nowhere little black dot which turns out to be the portal to nowhere a black hole A black the hole. void and uh she's like, oh shit, this is actually so scary. Uh, this is dangerous and it will Time hurt me
1: Time yep. It takes a lot of power, a lot of energy, and a lot of control to not go in after the Asteri yep. who's getting sucked.
0: Correct. And it takes a lot of energy to wield those weapons and create that portal to nowhere as well. So she's already, like, half-drained herself, which was really stupid. That wasn't part of their plan. The plan was for her and Hunt to teleport and destroy the First Light core, which they go to do which after.
1: fuels the Asteri. But Rune, Rune does now say, like, okay... We're we're trying to find Lydia's kids. So like we take a little bit of a detour to go and try and find Rune and Lydia. So we get caught up in like these two plot lines happening at the same time. We've got Bryce and Hunt who are going after Rune and Lydia and then end up trying to find this first light core and dealing with that. So when we pick up with Rune and Lydia... Lydia's hysterical. Lydia is charging through this palace. She's trying to find Pollux and her kids. They
0: go to the mystics to find her kids. The mystics were told to lie. They're misled into believing that Pollux has her kids at the first light core in the room where all that happens. Right.
1: So she's running full sprint ahead, not even thinking about anything but getting her kids. And Rune is like, I cannot let you get yourself killed. So Rune shoots her in the thigh to basically disable her so she can't
0: and hurt herself.
1: He runs his dumbass straight into Pollux's clutches, and Pollux doesn't have the kids because it was a trap. Yeah. So Pollux marches Rune at gunpoint back out into the hallway. And Therion has found our girl Lydia like bleeding out on the floor and kind of like picked her up and is hiding her, gave her this antidote so yeah, she, she can needs it heal, to heal. So she's out here having a having a little siesta, like blacking out and then coming to, post antidote. And Pollux has the guards come out with the kids, so it's Pollux, guards, kids, Rune, and then all of a sudden now like fully magic Lydia. And we learn that Lydia has fire magic. And for everyone who was like, "Hmm, Lydia is described very similarly to Miss Allen." Um yes, correct. Lydia tells us in her little inner monologue that she is descended from Brannon Galathinius, and that is why one of her sons is named Bran. It's Branon, yep. not Raisin Bran. Duh. It's <laughs> Bran with
0: two N's, by the way. Um, blah, blah, blah. Fun stuff. No
1: idea where Ace came from. Maybe it will come back. Maybe it won't. Don't really care at this point. And then Rune goes, no, no, no. Take me, he goes to Pollux. Instead, like, let her and the kids go take me do whatever you want to me but let them go and Pollux is like why like and he's like it'll hurt her because we're mates and all of me just fell apart at that very moment and Lydia's having absolutely none of it and she just incinerates Pollux instead yep,
0: burns him from the inside out love that for her
1: yeah a charbroiled Pollux if you will
0: and at this time, Declan and Flynn are just driving around the city in this white van, very creepy candy grabber <laughs> style, just, like, waiting for triage to need to happen. And Declan's also manning the keys, of course. Right. Um, he's tip-tapping on the keys. Yeah, he's on the sticks right now. And so <laughs> Rune and Lydia and Therion, with a back outside to get in
1: this van... But Lydia tells Rune, take the kids, get them somewhere safe. I got one thing I got to do. Just one. And she starts marching. She starts marching her fiery ass into the heart of battle and just smelting shit as she goes. Like, she doesn't even have to touch it. She's just melting. Just incinerating everything. Right, left, and center. And then there's a moment where she's like, I got to get close enough to these big-ass tanks and that, that like, blast, I
0: also won't escape right blast. she's like
1: I will incinerate myself she was gonna Cormac herself mm-hmm. essentially and I got really really scared I was really scared we were gonna lose Lydia but who else has fire magic to incinerate things that came to the rescue the fire sprites we love Erethus got all her besties from across the planet and to come just absolutely wreak havoc on the fire sprites are out here shit. just causing little explosions and yeah. we love that for them Um, They saw, they saw this big flame, Lydia, marching through the battlefield and they were like, mommy? (laughs) And immediately went to help her, which slay. Now, while all this is happening, Bryce
0: and Hunt are dealing with Rigolas in the first light core room. We learn, much like other planets where we learned in Celine's speech at the beginning of the book on Prithian, that. The Asteri like to create kill switches for their planets. And in Prithian, it's the cauldron. If you destroy the cauldron, the world itself gets destroyed.
1: We know this from Wings in Ruin. Right. So we find out, obviously, the Asteri were the ones who made the cauldron. Yes. The kill switch that it is. So, like, I I hate them. Even more now, because they are the reason we almost lost Resand at the end of Wings and Ruin. Yes. So if they weren't already dead to me, they can <laughs> officially rot. fully dead to us. They can, all can of rot us. in the void for all I care, and they will. And they will. Yes. So the first so, light
0: core, the first light core, is the kill switch for the planet. So want want the thing that they wanted to destroy to cut off the Asteri's power actually would end all of Midgard. But you know what Bryce has is the ability to open a portal to nowhere. Right. And so she and Hunt are just hammering at the crystal around the first light core, trying to get
1: to it. And she is currently also in possession of the God Slayer rifle. Ethan managed to get her yes. the rifle and Regulus is like, you really don't want to do this. And she's like, Oh,
0: I really do. Yeah. And so once she f- uh, fires the God Slayer bullet with the second light in it, she fires it, not at adnisteri, but at the first light core. And when it hits, it creates a black hole. And, you know, Bryce thinks on her feet. She's like, you know what? I can create a bigger one.
1: Right. She's like, you know, it'll suck up a black hole. A Another bigger, black, black hole. Better black right. hole. Of course. Naturally. So she. Science.
0: Creates a black hole. And it starts sucking everything in and starts sucking the whole palace in. Uh, And so she she also unfortunately does end up getting sucked in. But all of the Asteria have gotten sucked in with it because they're all standing you know near right. this core
1: so we've got we've got this big portal of a black hole that bryce has opened which is sucking in the smaller black hole that is currently the first light core remains under the palace and the what is it five astary mm-hmm. and bryce just floating Careening around leaning towards this
0: event horizon it's freezing it's deep space there's no oxygen there's no not breathe no- she's freezing over yes so they're careening towards the event horizon. The Asteri start getting sucked in. She and Rigulus are like duking it out, trying to get away from each other. Hunt realizes, oh shit, Bryce is going to die. She just got sucked into mm-hmm. the Asteri thing. And he's like, I need the mask. Bryce had given him the mask for safekeeping.
1: And let it be known, Hunt doesn't have starborn power or any sort of maid power that would allow him to use the mask. But he's naturally. a test tube baby. But he's a test tube baby. And. But, but one of the perks of their of the handful of smut moments we get in this book is that Hunt and Bryce are able to essentially trade a little bit of their power with each other. Okay, Sarah. It whatever is. You said. Like, thank you. Um. So Hunt. So has Hunt's a, like,
0: yeah, I got a little kernel of Bryce's power from from smut, and so he puts on the mask, and he's gonna be fine. Whatever. He puts on the mask. He finds this mech suit and realizes that it's being inhabited by the spirit of Shahar, his fallen lover.
1: And And the leader of the First Rebellion. Yep.
0: And so she lets him into the suit. She flies off into, you know, deep Second light world, whatever. And he dives in in this mech suit to go save Bryce. He thankfully ends up pulling her out before she falls over the event horizon of the black hole within the black hole.
1: Rigolas's bitch ass gets sucked in. Thank God. Yep. And um, Hunt pulls is like taking her back towards the opening of the portal she opened. Yeah. And at this moment, literally every single person who is there, all of the princes of hell, the three that are there, Every one of their friends, they are—it's like an elevator where the doors are closing. They are holding this yeah, portal open because Bryce with all was of their trying power. to close
0: the portal before she fell into this black hole, so that you know the obviously wouldn't couldn't be able escape. to get back
1: through. So they are holding this—these like the jaws of the portal open. Hunt just. Throws out a whip of lightning, hellfire. Napoleon catches it and is like basically like pulling, pulling it like, it, like, like a, a leash.
0: So stupid. Um, <laughs> he's
1: bullying Hunt back through the portal, and they get there. And Bryce is is oxygen deprived unalived. and dead.
0: And naturally, you know, we can't Sarah have loves that. a convenient resurrection. And I, personally, I was here for this one because I would not have been happy if Bryce fucking died at the end of this book. So who shows up conveniently but jesuba and Hypaxia and jess was like you know Hypaxia is now the head of the house of flame and shadow i trust her to protect these books and i'm ready to die so Apollyon, release your shackles on me and i'm gonna trade. trade my place for bryce and they're like you can do that and everyone's like yeah and they're like okay and then literally no
1: one fights her on it nope. no one no one goes oh no please stay
0: they're and like they're like cool Hypaxia does her little witchy thing and Jessica and bryce meet in this nether it's a very wholesome tender moment where Hypaxia or Jessica is like you know go live bryce come on you you earned it it's your turn i'm ready to go and she sees and all. and you're of her, not you're not ready to go no no ma'am and she sees all of her, you know, fallen besties. We have a, a Danica, a Lahaba, and a Connor. Connor. Goodbye. Yeah. Sighting in the like thing that she thought the bone quarter was before she went there. Very sweet, heartfelt. I yeah. sobbed my eyes out. I. I but we don't need to talk about that. I went. And then Bryce is
1: back. Bryce is like, back to life. Whoa, that was crazy. The hysteria
0: are dead. They did it. There's no more First Light collection, Um, but much to come and
1: now it's so then, time
0: for crack theory o'clock
1: right so essentially where where do we go from here where where do we go from the end of cross and city three like let's just talk about house of many waters what we think the hints could be for that book like what's pointing us in that direction so to me we have first things
0: first First Light Zero Mm -hmm. is is fast approaching. First Light not only powered the Asteri, but
1: powered all of the
0: tech and infrastructure on Midgard and in Crescent City.
1: Which Avalyn refused to use First Light. And so they had this very like archaic old way of living on that island. And essentially they're all going to have to revert to that if they don't find an alternative to First Light. And so it's this like precious resource all of a sudden now because without making the drop, they're not going to be creating any big you know bursts of first light anytime soon right
0: and uh the thing that points me in the direction of house of many waters is that we know from the depth charger and from the river queen that the ocean queen and these like underwater deities have the ability to create tech that isn't powered by first light the depth charger is not powered by first light but it is a fully operational underwater mobile city so I am certain that the Ocean Queen will play a very major role in instilling the new infrastructure of Crescent City in the book House of Many Waters, which is very much a long way off, I'm sure, but will be exciting when we get it. Right. Um, I honestly think it's going to be three years till we get that book. Probably. Because we we're getting Akatar 5 next. The book after Akatar 5, Sarah just said on her Today interview that it's a, in a world undisclosed- But that it'll be a very emotional story for her to tell. Don't think that's going to be Crescent City 4, to be honest with you. No,
1: so it's probably her new series. I think
0: it's her new series. Um, There's also people thinking that it might be in the Throne of Glass world, but I don't know. She has
1: literally said that she's not writing any more Throne of Glass books. And, like, Aylin needs to rest. It
0: has been announced that there's a new series from Sarah coming. So I think it's that. Or maybe it's a standalone. Would love that. I would love a standalone from Sarah. That would be
1: interesting. That would be a bold choice. that'd be
0: sick. Anyways. Um... Yeah, I think the, the Ocean Queen's going to play a big role. Therion is going to play a big role because he's now, like, hated by all of these people, sort of. But he kind of made amends with the River Queen a little bit. Yeah. The Wolves will also come into play. I th- And I think, honestly, the house system at large is going to be abolished. Bright- Bryce already started the chain reaction right. by... Renouncing her own queendom and saying, "You know, the Fey are not ever going to have a hierarchy again. I want a democracy." It's going to be a democracy. She said, Same "We're going gonna- to the Archangels." You know, uh, Hunt was like, "You know, Isaiah, I want you to run the ship with the the angels." And right, we are it's not about
1: who has the captain. most power in their veins or who could literally obliterate everybody else. He's like, "I I have Hellfire. I don't want to lead you people." And He gives it to Isaiah, who has the personality to do it. And Correct. the skills and the emotional intelligence.
0: And to do instead, it. Instead,
1: yes, exactly. And now Hunt is just
0: Bryce's sexy assistant, as There's you like this to say. There's moment
1: at the very end where Bryce is setting up her townhouse where she is like placing She's running all, Jessica's business again. Right. Jessica left her everything. So yep. she's putting all of the Parthos books. Up, so that they can be accessed by the public. And Hunt literally goes, okay, so now if I'm not part of the 33rd, if I'm not doing all these other things, like what am I supposed to do? File for unemployment? And it is the most normal thing to say. But he's a hunky angel with hellfire in his veins. It is unserious for Hunt to be out here filing for unemployment or even suggesting it. I cackled. So silly. Uh,
0: But... We love it. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the end of the rope for the
1: House of Many Waters theories. Anything about the River Queen, you think? I don't know. I think there's a handful of characters that have unresolved plots that could weave into that. You know, obviously with Ethan as Prime. Um, we still don't know what Fury is. Like, we didn't learn that. We yep. still are just kind of left with this dangling carrot of Danica scented her and knew what she was, but we don't know what that is. And I think the working theory... Um, is she's perhaps Thanatos' daughter, Thanatos being Prince of the Ravine, one of the princes of hell. Uh, In Greek mythology, Thanatos has a daughter, and I'm not going to pronounce the name correctly, so I'm not even going to try, but the Greek name translates to literally the word Fury. So, like, is Fury the daughter of a prince of hell? Like, the legitimate daughter, not the test tube child that Hunt is. And are there more? And are there more? Correct. So we've we've got a we've got a couple of characters with plots that could that could unravel. Therion and and Sathia Flynn, they've got some unresolved business. Sathia's is yep. out here running after her ex boyfriend.
0: Yeah, her ex boyfriend was one of the the Fey assassins for the Viper Queen, and she's to her like, venom, and she's like, I got to get him apparently out. Apparently, her ordeal was losing him. So stupid, that Sarah. Is so funny, but yeah, whatever. It really is literally Riverdale, like. <laughs> I'm so sorry but all of the
1: Viper Queen scenes just give me like ghoulie vibes. Yeah. And then not that this is like unresolved business, but in whatever book we get next for Crescent City, I just need Rune and Lydia to be living in like marital bliss and Bryson and hunts what they deserve.
0: They
1: that is what they deserve.
0: Um also certainly we're getting Declan the computer fairy helping with the, the infrastructure of everything because he is Sarah's favorite literary crutch in this series,
1: I think. It's absolutely amazing for him. You know, he's um, not filing for unemployment anytime soon.
0: The other thing is, we learned in this book that unfortunately our theory about Amran being the seventh Asteri that got eaten by Apollyon was not true. There is in fact a seventh Asteri that was serious who was not, not serious like the word serious but serious like s-i-r-i-u-s yeah like serious fm the radio station serious black you know um so there was a seventh asteria that did get quote-unquote eaten by apollyon but i think Amran could still be in asteria because what we learned is that Vesperus, the asteria that was in the tomb
1: yeah underneath the prison underneath the prison she on Prithia, but not one of the seven.
0: Correct. So there are others out there. There are, you know, thousands of Asteri on the loose. There could Possibly. be.
1: Possibly. There very well could be. And the princes of hell that we meet, the three of them, three of seven, have said in this book that their other four brothers, the other armies from their, you know, their levels of hell one through four are out quote unquote helping other worlds so like where else are we ousting the Asteri
0: great question hope is it, we find out yeah is it Sarah's new th- series who we don't know yet please we we do know they have different names in all these series we yeah. have I mean I don't think the Valgar Asteri but no the Daglin in Prithian was the name that we learned uh, the Asteria obviously in Crescent City maybe they are being parasitic to a different world we don't know we'll find out um what else what other
1: well let's talk about let's talk about Avalin for a second yep at the very end of the book we find out that the Pegasus is Peg Pegasi the Pegasus- plural plural of Jelly Jubilee basically yep Jelly Jubilees Jelly Jubilees are back and we all know the land has healed. Live and
0: in, in the flesh, by the way. the This land on Avalon has healed. And at the very end of the book, we learn there's a Pegasus outbreak on
1: Avalon. Literally an infestation of jelly jubilees. And they just spring out of the ground once more. And so given that Avalon has healed because Bryce sucked the power out of the ground that was essentially clogging up the ley lines... Um, and she did the same thing to the prison. Did, like, what has become of the prison? The prison, which used to be the dust court, then became this desolate island because Celine locked up all of these terrifying beings and, like, put her power into the land. Now that the power has been freed, potentially, the prison, minus the fact that there's still a whole bunch of creeps locked up on it, like, it could be healing as well. At the very, very end... Of the book. When the battle is over. But before like all of the dust finally settles. Bryce reopens the portal. To retrieve her parents. And gives Nesta the star sword back. With Truth Teller and the mask. And says you were tattooed. This eight pointed star on you for a reason. Go find out why. So crack theory time. Crack theory time. Is Nesta somehow. Going to use her. Silver flame power. And now these magical additional sword and dagger pairing to go and be high lady of the dust court and deal with all of the prisoners
0: could certainly could certainly happen uh we also still need to track down brioxus right where has he been this whole time he could be something from hell that just crawled in there and where did he go? We don't know.
1: Yeah, I think all of the questions that we had about the lineage of Akatar characters and creatures, none of that really got answered with the exception of obviously the Resans family line being descended from Selene. Um, But and so as much as I was like, I would love to have known how Az came to have Truth Teller, how he's able to wield it if it's some sort of magical, um, magical dagger and all of that fun stuff. It does make sense that we will learn those details in an Akatar book proper when we can get it from those characters point of view rather than from our Crescent City point of view. Who is Amarin? Who is Azriel? What the heck is Re-San going to do with this new knowledge? What is Nesta going to do with her new weapons? What became of the prison? All these Akitar questions. Sarah's got a laundry list. I feel like she answered some, and then she created a million more questions for her readers. Indeed. And uh, that brings us to why.
0: Did we like and or not like this book?
1: It's a really, How did we feel about it? Really good question. Um, I'll start with Ethan's plotline. I... I was a fan of Ethan, honestly, in Crescent City 2. I liked his whole getting kicked out of the wolf den and then joining the little frat pack of Rune's fay buddies. Like, I liked it. And there were some people who were, like, not super stoked about Ethan going into Crescent City 3, and I was like, oh, I think he's fine. I, I was annoyed by his plot in Crescent City 3. I wasn't annoyed by him, per se. I was annoyed by his plot. I think... He had kind of glimpsed in Crescent City 2 when Bryce kind of implies to Sabine at one point, maybe I'll back Ethan as Prime and challenge you. Yeah. I think he's freaked out by that. And obviously that's where he ends up as Prime, but I just, he spends the entire book trying to get away from it. He goes and finds the Fender heir because he doesn't want to face the fact that he has alpha potential and could be Prime. Mm. He messes up the necromancy. Well, he doesn't mess it up. Hypaxia messes up messes up the necromancy turns her into a reaper by mistake.
0: Well, I don't even think that's the case. It's more
1: that Sigrid Sigrid. chose to go reaper instead of come back to life. Right. So, like, then he continues. He can't just accept that. He continues to do everything he can to try and get her back as avoidance. It's avoidance, really. He doesn't think he's fit to be prime, I guess. And everyone who's annoyed with him as a character, I just think, honestly, he's just a dude with imposter syndrome, he he's just afraid to face it, and so it's honestly very very relatable. Yeah, at the crux of it you. all. So those are my those are my thoughts on Ethan. I find him very similar. The argument there about the relatability and like just being a dude, very similar to like the whole Kale thing in Throne of Glass. So people will fall on either side of the line. I think it's debatable, but I'm with you honestly. I think Ethan's plot line
0: was. A little jumbled but I totally agree with the points you were making about him more so grappling internally with his own potential than and being avoidant of what could be rather than just like being a bumbling fool like I don't think it was necessarily him fumbling the bag because he's incompetent it was more like genuinely intentionally trying to do the right thing but also not have to culpable for his own potential right
1: it's almost like he self-sabotaged his his actions a little bit um
0: my main gripe we kind of already touched on (laughs) i just cannot get over this trend of these convenient resurrections all the time and everyone having having to be super special high power which like i know in Mm -hmm. fantasy that's where you get the most interesting high stakes plot like i get it i really do you need that but does everyone have to be the leader of something or other everyone really like we need to have Hypaxia be the head of house of flaming shadow we need to have ethan be the prime we need to have bryce be the queen of everything like girl please um the other thing was just that um yeah, the, the convenient resurrection thing. Like, why does everyone have to come back to life? Even the harpy. No one even wanted her back. No. And like, again. And it was inconsequential. Like, just tr- tr- I know it needed to happen because of the full circle hint of Rigolus needing to romance something. As much as I love Lydia, I feel like she should have stayed dead. I know.
1: I will fight you we're on gonna, that to
0: We're respectfully disagreeing with each other on this one. I know she was needed at the end. I appreciated the payoff of her getting Aelin's firepower and learning about the, you know, fae connections that we'd suspected with her and the deer and everything. Mm -hmm. But, dude, I don't know. There was, there's just, it's annoying when everything's always
1: works out happy. Do you think she should have died in the final battle incinerating herself or when she jumped off the cliff?
0: I think when she... In the final battle, she should have been incinerated.
1: Okay, I will not. I will not agree because I love Rune too much. But that is more acceptable. That would have been a more acceptable death point like than jumping off the cliff. Someone's self sacrifice has to stick at some point,
0: you know. Like everybody be self sacrificing in these books, and Natalie has never read Kingdom of Ash works yet, out. So. Okay.
1: <laughs> come back to me when you read Kingdom of Ash. Okay. Uh, anyways. <laughs>
0: Let's just get to that. We've been recording for literally like two and a half hours. So let's just decide here and now. I feel like we've covered it all. Ultimate verdict. Did this book scratch the itch? Was it everything we've been anticipating and more? Or was it up to par or did it miss the mark?
1: I think it was everything we were anticipating on the Crescent City side. Maybe a little bit more on the Crescent City side because, you know, Lydia being a mom didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, it left a lot of open questions on the Akatar side, which, again, I'm I would rather read that from the Akatar perspective. The more I think about it, so totally fine. So it's like a little yes, a little no, but overall, I think it it did the trick. It was the only book I've read in like recent times where I didn't even realize how many pages had passed without smut. So like, Sarah made me forget. I
0: am gonna give Sarah credit on this one. There wasn't really filler. There wasn't really a wasted scene. There was just simply so much going on in this plot that every single scene moved the plot forward, and I really appreciated that. After wasting so much of our time with the Sophie and Emil plotline in House of Sky and Breath, I was relieved to be on a completely dramatic, extremely unserious roller coaster. Where every scene meant something and was important in some way. Yeah. Whether it was for a plot line that I thought was pointless like Therion's or Ethan's a little bit um, or
1: not. They were at least functional. They at
0: least functioned and I'm sure they're set up for the next book. Whatever. Uh, I really appreciated the t- the fact that Nesta and Azriel were the characters that we got to spend the most time with from the Agatar world. I agree with Claudia though. Like we waited... So long for the crossover moment, and it was a little bit shorter than I think a lot of the fans would have wanted. It was several hundred pages, but like we really only got Bryce Nesta, Asriel, in the caves. That
1: was pretty much it, and Mm -hmm. then returning the mask and whatever. Um, Randall and Randall and Reese, and like Ember, and like that whole thing. Yeah, I can't wait to see where that all leads us,
0: and you know. We ended up getting a lot of good context, setup, and mystery for the next Akatar book, which is next. So I can't be too mad. Um, we'll just have to, you know, wait probably a year for that. <laughs> and then just
1: say a little prayer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Somehow it's going to be Azriel's book, but yet,
1: like, Nesta is going to be
0: the main character. I think, again, echoing myself at the beginning of the episode, like, this could be...
1: A Nesta trilogy a Nessa of A Nesta trilogy
0: sorts. with with Asriel as a featured artist. Yeah, on the track.
1: <laughs> totally. I I can get
0: behind it. And I love it. The, they're probably my two favorite characters from the series besides Resand, obviously. But
1: yes, or as he is referred to in this book at one point, the Night Court dude. The Night
0: Court dude indeed. Um that made I me did giggle. I did like that like he had the impact power-wise on Bryce that we would have expected and wanted. Like he Rippled intimidated with power her. so much that yeah. like even bryce was scared yeah bryce isn't scared of rigolus okay yeah <laughs> bryce isn't scared of adis and napoleon but she's scared of reese that, and is I, that means something to me saying something um what else i think the prose in this book had its moments where it was good but for the it was it was very blah for the majority of it. It it worked, it functioned, it did its job, it moved the plot forward. But it honestly was very reminiscent of Throne of Glass to me. Like it feels like I don't know. I just feel like the prose in Avatar and even in earlier Crescent City books was more vibrant than this one. But maybe that's just me.
1: Maybe it's just the multitude of action and actual plot that had to get done in this book. Versus having time to muse and think about it with the prose. Potentially.
0: Potentially. And I'm with you. And it, I honestly, if the prose had been any flowerier, this, this would have book been, been 1,600, 1600 pages. pages. So I'm okay with it. And my Kindle version was 950. So no, it's not the same size as a book page. So I get why it was longer, but like, damn. <laughs> damn. She's, again, thick with multiple C's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. That kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap up?
1: No, I I think that, you know, this is a good little leaving off point for Crescent City. We have a lot of open questions for Agatar. Sarah's doing the same thing as the Viper Queen with her venom and like leaves us wanting more. (laughs) And we will be a slave to that as long as we shall live. Amen. I will read,
0: regardless of how I feel about the words, I will read every single word that Sarah J. Massa ever puts into the world. I love you, mom.
1: <laughs> and on that note,
0: this has been the Downlore. Thank you so much for joining us. Claudia and Natalie signing off. We had a blast. We can't wait for the next one. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be the Cruel Prince series. Yeah, Holly Black. We're going to be unpacking uh Holly Black's first four books, and then we will be meeting the the March 5th release of the next I haven't even read them yet. So we have a lot of homework
1: we have a lot of homework to do in the next few weeks
0: we do and I am honestly excited to undertake this journey I've heard such fantastic things about the cruel prince and all of the Elfheim books so stay tuned for that um but thank you for joining us we had so much fun we love Sarah J Mass, and we love talking about books obviously since we just did for three hours
1: um get cracking on cruel prince and we'll see you back here Next in a time. couple weeks.
0: Yeah. Um follow us on everything at the Downlore. Send us an Instagram email
1: and tell us your thoughts on TikTok. House of Flame and Shadow.
0: Please, we would love to hear from you. Okay. All right.
1: That's it, y'all. Bye. Bye.